Welcome to The Big Deal, where we'll unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi, Dion Heyman and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and more. Don't forget to sign up at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Warren Treadray and today's guest and certainly got some fair amount of skin in the game when it comes to investing in Australian sport. We're joined by Grant Kelly, the chairman and owner of the Adelaide 36ers in the NBL. Grant leads Holdfast Assets, which has owned the license for the Sixers since 2017. And it's just one of a number of assets held by Holdfast under Grant's leadership, where there's a big focus on investing in agriculture, tourism, as well as sport. Grant himself is a recognised leader in private equity, real estate investing, fund management and business strategy. While heavily investing in his local community, Grant also has significant experience investing in Asia. Grant, welcome to the show and thanks for your time. Warren, thanks so much for having me. Great to be on here. A man with such wide range of business interests, can you take us through what a normal day looks like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm one of these guys, I tend to be an early riser. Um, I think that's the best part of the day, certainly for me. Um, and I um, t- typically would get up, you know, five or six and I'd work, um, believe it or not, six or seven hours pretty uh, pretty uh, efficiently, hopefully through to sort of 12 noon or one o'clock. Usually have a break, we'll meet with a client um, or two in the afternoon, um, then try and grab a workout and then family time in the evening. But um, yeah, fairly typical day. But I find if I get rolling early, that's when I get my Best work done. Now, you talk about your your best work done. You've got multiple things happening at multiple times. Uh, the Sixers is one of the big pieces of the puzzle. How do you prioritise your day and what are your objectives right now? Yeah, I've got three, um, if you will, sort of business projects on the go at the moment. Obviously, the major one is the 36ers, and I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss that in greater detail. But uh, the other two that I'm working on right now are um, we're in the process of setting up a shopping centre fund, which is, you know, my... Uh, old industry of real estate and specifically retail, um, which will focus on regional uh, towns around Australia and uh, the shopping centres in those towns where we believe there'll be a lot of growth uh, in the next uh, five to 10 years. Uh, And the final one is actually just expanding our uh, vineyard business in McLaren Vale, uh, where we have some award-winning wines, but I just haven't had the time until probably the last six months to really focus. So that's that's also where we're focused. I also um, am pretty heavily involved in charities. I chair a a national uh, hearing assistance dogs um, charity. Uh, I have been very involved in, in schools and things like that, but uh, for the moment, it's it's fairly focused on those three uh, areas that I mentioned earlier. Well, you mentioned your major priority at the moment is the Adelaide 36ers, uh, steeped in great history, obviously one team town. Can you take us through the process of when they were up for sale or when you're interested in buying them, what you went through to do it? Because you know, whilst they've been great and had great success, there have been some challenges from previous owners uh, before you stepped into this space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was up in Singapore and, um, you know, we would hook up uh, in that era um, a laptop um, that I think we VPNed into Australia and then would get the, you know, the, the NBL.com feed. So it was it was pretty primitive in that era. There wasn't the um, the global broadcast we now have for the, uh, for the National Basketball League. Um, and, and I was just always a fan. You know, I'd played the sport... Um, into my late 20s, um, I, I felt I understood the game. Uh, and I was a Sixers tragic. I used to 
in fact, go to the old Apollo Stadium with my father um, and even follow the club when I, when I moved overseas for a number of years. So it started really as a passion project, um, but then it quickly switched into, you know, gee, we've got to turn this thing around. Um, there had been some instability um, in, in the ownership ranks a bit, uh, several short-term uh, ownerships. And, and look, I have enormous respect for everyone who went before me because, you know, it's not an easy task. Um, but I, I felt that um, I could add value, if you will, kind of re-establishing the club's financial footing. And that's where we spent a lot of the time, actually, in the last sort of seven years has been has been to focus on that. And um, obviously, we're, we're not happy with what's occurred on the court. But one thing I am um, somewhat proud of is that we've we've actually quadrupled the revenue base of the club and it's now set up, I think, for, for uh, future success. Yeah, you mentioned the Sixers' challenges. Um, the league has also faced their own challenges in that space, haven't they? You know, you talk about late 90s, they've gone from being a winter league to a summer league, the challenges with that. Um, it, but it appears from the outside now they're probably on the best footing they've been in quite some time. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, Larry Kesterman, um, who'd been the Melbourne United um, owner, took over the league in 2015 and has been uh, phenomenal in terms of what he's contributed, um, has invested enormous amounts of time and, and capital to, to get the league to where it is today. So absolute credit to Larry and his team in Melbourne who are, um, uh, you know, wonderful sports administrators, but actually really good partners because, of course, uh, unlike the AFL uh, in basketball, it's a private ownership model. And uh, I've just found Larry and his team treat us uh, with enormous respect. Uh, they are um, very innovative in areas like digital. They have um, the club's best interests at heart. and They've certainly been instrumental in our game day experience and, and, and helping us think that through. So, so that's been, a, a, I think, a really uh, big weapon for uh, the NBL has been uh, his investment in 2015. Um, I'm now actually the longest standing owner in the league um, uh, of, of a club. Um, and what the league's gone through in that period has just been phenomenal growth. You know, basketball is the fastest growing sport in Australia for under 30s. Um, they're about 20% of our uh, consuming audience. Um, and we have about 60% from families. And it's it's really been repositioning the product, um, if I can call it that, away from just, you know, basketball tragics like me, but towards a new generation of fans who are under 30 and then making the product on game day very family friendly. And that uh, seems to have worked. You know, we're selling out uh, the entertainment centre, as you know, um, pretty much every game now, which which has been very encouraging. And, and as I mentioned, we've 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 reinforced that through a strong corporate program. Um, take you back to the, the process of buying a sports team. I assume it's not easy. Um, you mentioned you think there was upside, you were a basketball tragic. What was the acquisition process and, and how did it look like and how did it start? It's actually very interesting. It's really a two-stage process. So you have to come to terms with the existing licence holder and then the league has to uh, bless that. So um, in, in my case, um, there was a group of about 10 uh, Adelaide uh, uh, you know, business people typically uh, who had, had each 10% of, of, of the licence. Um, and I actually bought... Um, 50% of the license in actually at the end of 2016. And then I bought the final 50% in March of 2017. Um, and then worked with both the prior ownership and also the league to, um, uh, to, to put that deal through. But uh, it's, it's evolved a lot in the time since I did that deal. Um, you know, clubs that are now, uh, clubs are now much bigger, um, without exception, 
uh, maybe there's one or two that are not profitable, but almost all of them break even or are very close to break even or have financing in place to, to, to invest for a year or two before they do so. Um, and so it's become a far bigger business. And I, I, you know, I have not um, any intention of selling the license, but I, I think um, uh, groups that want to buy into the league now, you know, it's, it's become obviously a very successful business. So it's, it would require uh, a significant premium. Um, and I suspect the due diligence process would be far more uh, detailed uh, than it was, you know, a decade ago. You mentioned that due diligence process. Clearly, you're expected to tip in some money um, and some significant cash and time. Uh, how much is the difference between your what you initially expected to what you're doing now? <laughs> we haven't disclosed how much we've invested, but it's um, yeah, it's well over ten million. Um, but that's been necessary because we shifted arenas. Uh, as I said, completely revamped the off the court um, product, and frankly, we also invested in some some very very strong teams that that um, you know in some cases in the early days did very very well. In 2017 and 2018, we had um, we won the minor premiership, and then we, of course we we played off in the national championship series and narrowly lost to Melbourne in in March. Of, sorry, excuse me, in May of 2018. Um, but even in the years since then, when we've had mixed success, we've invested a lot in the playing group. Um, and I decided to do that independently of the revenues because part of what we were doing was building a brand and I wanted to maintain 36's basketball uh, as a as a identifiable style of play, as an identifiable product. And so what uh, was really important to us in that era, even though we weren't making finals, was to actually have something the fans wanted to come and see week in, week out, particularly for home games, which to a certain extent, uh, define your, both your economics and also your brand is whether you win at home. So, so we were very focused on, um, you know, in a highly competitive league, putting teams on the court that were incredibly um, uh, attractive actually to watch. Um, it, it's true that we have missed finals for several years now. Uh, I am the most uh, upset and angry person in the city of Adelaide regarding that, but. Uh, I think our fans could all say that they've been entertained. And, and while I don't personally go to basketball for for entertainment, I really go to see a, a win, hopefully. Um, it, it's certainly true that many of our fans do come um, in large part to be entertained. So we, I think we've we've succeeded in that. But all of that actually uh, was incredibly expensive to, to, to build. But what I wanted to do was to create a product that the entire city would be proud of and now what I want to do is actually translate that to on-court success, which I think you know we have a shot of doing in the next couple of years. You mentioned those primary objectives as an owner. Clearly, obviously, if it can make money and, and wash itself that way, it's good. But in sport, there's the element of performance too, isn't it? And we're all chasing a slash premiership, championship, whatever you want to call it, a title um, is the ultimate. And probably that's the best way to wash the other side and, and make it profitable. 100%. And... I always say to people who say, oh, look, basketball's an entertainment business. That's true. But ultimately, if you've got a losing team, um, you, you know, you, you, you will ultimately lose um, the fan support, both corporate and, and consumer. Um, I mean, you need to look no further than rugby union, right, where the Wallabies, you know, I grew up, you know, in the 90s watching Australians win the Bledisloe Cup and World Cups, etc. I, I uh, You know, we have a bit of a New Zealand connection in my family, so I, I love beating the All Blacks. But we've lost for 20 years now the Bledisloe and and people just lose interest. You know, your, your crowds dwindle, your corporate support evaporates. I think 
what Rugby Australia is doing now uh, with Hamish McClellan is phenomenal. Um, uh, and I think getting Eddie Jones back is, is, is incredible. But what's actually gone before that is going to make that mountain a very big mountain to climb because you've got fans who can remember how they felt, um, you know, seeing us get, get um, uh, beaten regularly by, by New Zealand. And the same is true for basketball. So, so you sort of park that and you say, okay, well, it's, you know, sport, as you know, Warren, is unbelievably competitive at the elite level. So what you've got to set yourself is a realistic target. Um, and for us, I probably was overambitious on winning championships. But the good news about that was that we never fielded an uncompetitive team any season. We, we might have missed finals, but we usually missed it. In fact, every time we miss it narrowly. And we always were competing on the field. So... In sport, you have to sort of adjust yourself to the fact that you may not win uh, the championship or a premiership uh, because of the, the nature of the competition and how intense it is. But but you need to be competing you know, every single quarter and, and your fans need to see that. They need to see commitment, hunger. They need to see a culture that's built around a team and a system that people respect and, and work towards. And if you can get those things right, you can actually survive not forever, but you can survive one or two years without without winning a championship. But in the long run, you're right. You've got to win. That's your product, and you've got to compete and and be the best. You've been through and been an owner through the the Larry Kesselman era, as we've spoken about. Um, obviously, he's been a prominent business leader who's invested heavily in the league in the first place and and brought it to a level of stability and growth. How do you, as an owner of a club, work with? Um, MBL HQ and other owners to collectively grow together because, as you mentioned briefly before, it's a totally different model to like an AFL or an NRL, which is generally owned by the fans and, more importantly, probably run by head office. Yeah, great question. I mean, I mean, with the MBL, um, it, as I said earlier, it's very much around partnership, uh, us doing the right thing by the league, and then I think, without exception, the league has always uh, done the right thing by us, and that partnership is sort of the, the, the model, I, I think, for every club uh, with the league. Amongst the owners themselves, it's what I'd call a friendly rivalry. I've got, um, I'm very close to certain owners. So Craig Hutchison uh, from the Perth Wildcats is a, you know, uh, he, he and uh, his partner are very close family friends of ours. We, we see each other when we can um, and we help each other in business. Uh, other owners, you know, you may not have that same degree uh, of, of personal connection, but you, you certainly respect them as competitors and and as and as actually partners as well in the business. But with the ownership group, there is always the fact that you are competing on game day, and always the fact that you are, uh, you, you know, essentially privately owned franchises uh, with the league as the master franchisee. So master franchisor. So so amongst the owners, it's maybe um, you know sometimes a little bit uh, competitive and intense, but Overall, it's a very collaborative group that I think has worked uh, really well together. I mean, if you look at COVID, um, you know, the, we formed a task force and the league um, uh, had representation on that from ownership. And I think all clubs worked incredibly well together to try to get through that period. Probably that brought us a little closer together. And there's not an owner in the league that I don't um, have a good relationship with. You know, um, as I said, it may not be as close as... Uh, as we work with 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 Craig and his team, but we do have uh, you know good relationships with with 
with every other club and every other ownership group. Uh, the NBL's leveraged a really strong connection with the NBA, and I can't ever remember that in previous years, um, and that certainly lately. Uh, you guys had Josh Giddy playing as a 36, and now he's dominating and killing it in the uh, NBA. Yeah, that's fantastic. The Sixers, you beat the Suns in the preseason, uh, which was incredible. How do you think that NBA factor has helped grow the Sixers brand and business? I think it's been massive. I mean, um, and, and it's the two things you mentioned, uh, Warren. You know, first and foremost, Australians, uh, for whatever reason, are overrepresented as a nationality in the NBA. So, uh, you know, last year I think we had about 30 uh, uh, or so NBA players. In our league, we have roughly the same number of people who have played in the NBA but are now playing in the NBL. So collectively there's about 60 high-profile athletes with NBA connections, NBA roots. Um, and, and Gids was certainly, from our club's perspective, uh, yeah, just a wonderful uh, ambassador for the club um, and has done brilliantly at OKC. Um, you know, for a 19, 20-year-old, he's, he's already um, being talked about as, as uh, a future All-Star. He'll probably be an All-Star, I would suspect, in the next one to two years and, and a really uh, great individual and, and has done a lot for our club even um, since he moved to the United States. Um, so that's been, you know, great for us. And I might also say Terence Ferguson that, that Joey Wright uh, brought across in 2016, also ironically went to Oklahoma, also drafted six, uh, sorry, also drafted 18th, I'm sorry, uh, kids went, that's six draft, but both went to OKC. You know, that, that was a great initial foray for the 36ers into the NBA. But the big move was was the game against the Suns. Um, you know, after that game, um, we had about 20,000 social media uh, additional signups, whether it was on Instagram, TikTok, you know, um, for some of us oldies, Facebook, you know, <laughs> everyone was, everyone was, was sort of knew who the LA 36ers were. And uh, that was a very, as I said at the time, that was probably next to our four championships, the biggest day in the club's history. So, yeah, the NBA is, 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 is a crucial element of our business model when appealing to their, and, and sort of integrating their brand into everything that we do uh, within reason has, has certainly been the right right strategy. You might not want to answer this question, but how did you get that game up? How do you, an Adelaide team <laughs> yeah. based in Australia, uh, go and take on the might of the Phoenix Suns in America? And yeah, that's great. It's great we won. But how do the logistics happen like that? Who do you pick the phone up to? It's actually not us, it's the league. So um, we always, uh, in fact, I'd, I'd mentioned to Larry, I think, uh, and Jerry Lowliger, who's the commissioner, uh, who's a great guy, who's done a lot for, for the sport. Um, and, uh, you know, that what I thought would be great for our fans would be to to see Adelaide play Oklahoma. Um, you know, at the end of uh, uh, Gids' first season and just before the second. So, so Jeremy and Larry through their connections with the NBA, it was really them, not not me, were able to engineer that. Um, but on route to, uh, feet, excuse me, to Oklahoma, we actually passed through the Southwest and we were therefore able to play Phoenix and, and also a couple of exhibition games. So that Phoenix game was sort of set up um, a, a little separately. And we then had other connections with Phoenix. You know, Jock Landau, who'd been a star for Melbourne United, was there. Tory Craig, who'd been a star in the league some five or six years ago, was there. Uh, both those guys are very close to CJ Bruton. So there's a bunch of connections that we're able to uh, leverage to uh, to get the game up and running. It was amazing, an amazing performance by your boys too to shine on the world stage. Um, 
We all know sports tribal. It's probably the best way to describe it. We don't all make sense when we're hot under the collar and our team's not going well or going well. And um, and basketball's probably one of the most tribal sports there is around. Can you tell us some of the opposition you copped and, and how you've dealt with that? Yeah. Oh, look, you know, I think most business people, I mean, as I said, I'd, I'd never played the sport professionally and, and that's the first thing to understand about yourself, actually, is, and I don't think sporting administrators... Uh, or owners, but let's just say, let's just call us all administrators for the moment. I don't think it's appropriate to to actually get too involved or too prominent because you've had success in another walk of life and you can own a sporting team. So philosophically, um, I, I was always, and I am always, um, I think you, you know me a little bit now, I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably low profile, uh, <laughs> just personally, because um, I just think that's, that's the best way to conduct myself. But on the... Um, yeah, on the social media side, we copped a bit, but I think what I came to understand was you've just got to ignore that noise because it's part of the business model. Um, you know, media commentary or, or even somebody uh, jumping on a on a on a in a chat room and having a go at you—it it just comes with the territory, and it's actually good information because um, you, you know you learn what people might be thinking, but but don't want to say to you directly. Uh, so I've actually in Australia. So firstly, I'm okay with it just personally, but secondly, you know, you sort of have to embrace it. It generates interest in the game uh, and occasionally actually gives you some good intel on what people are really thinking that you need to do next. From an ownership perspective, what's next for the Sixers? And, you know, what are you focusing on right now? What needs to happen to keep it heading in the right direction or to go to the next level? The, the big thing is to get um, the team to start to, to perform better on the court. L- last year, uh, you know, we finished eighth, uh, I don't. Um, uh, I, I, I can't tell you uh, how uh, disappointing that was, uh, not just for our fans and, and our sponsors and our members, but for me. Uh, we we overspent on budget by about five hundred thousand dollars, and I think um, so. We were the highest spending team, I should say, by 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 half a million, um, higher than Sydney, higher than Melbourne, higher than Perth. So Adelaide fans actually were seeing a Rolls-Royce product, but it, it performed like sort of a beaten up old Datsun uh, at times. Um, and having to live through the Cairns game, the meltdown of the last, on New Year's Eve, where we lost, um, you know, having led by 18 points, lost by two. Uh, you know, that that was, for me, unacceptable. Um, and so we've made a lot of changes um, and we'll keep making them. What we learned was that we had actually over, you know, basketball has this expression, stacking the roster. Uh, and it's different to AFL, for example, because in basketball you have, uh, you know, it's an 11-man roster, only five of whom start the game. You know, if I, in AFL it's 18 and, and four on the interchange, right? Um, so, so if you have a bunch of highly paid imports or former boomers or, or stars of the league sitting on the bench, they can agitate for starting positions and that creates the wrong culture uh, because it, it means that people are playing, are, they're almost, we've almost incentivized them to play individually as opposed to uh, as a team. And, and what's historically won, um, and it's a bit like with AFL, what historically wins uh, in the National Basketball League is three to four dead set stars and then a really, really good system. So that's what we're doing now. Um, we, we are, we're just coming to the end of free agency We've been meticulous in terms of recruiting for character this year. Um, it's the key reason that we targeted Isaac Humphreys, who we know is a very fine 
person and an extraordinary athlete. And it's the other reason we targeted Jason Kadee. Um, and we'll keep going after players with cultural values aligned to the club. And I think in time that'll translate to both a happier team but more success. Uh, and then look, off the court, it's it's to continue the momentum from last year, but to maybe spread it into new product areas. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we've increased by about four times the revenue of the club. Uh, we've done that through a combination of sellouts at the entertainment centre and very strong uh, corporate support, both large corporate and small business. Uh, but now we have the ability to take our brand and actually stretch it into new areas. Uh, so, for example, we've just launched a, an education product uh, with Flinders University and the Department of Education where we're taking a stage one credit uh, for year 10 and year 11 students um, and year 12 students if they want to elect it um, through uh, schools in South Australia. Fantastic program. And we teach that online through a bunch of virtual reality um, it's um, been introduced to South Australia as the first uh, major basketball product. There was a soccer product, but educationally, but this was the first major basketball product. And, and it's seeing those uh, those opportunities. Um, the, the, the other area where we think there's a massive opportunity is in digital. Um, yeah, we, we are in the process. We just um, launched last week, actually, our uh, development project to create the 36s app. Uh, we'll be the second team in the league uh, to, to have that. In fact, um, uh, Perth Wildcats um, are, are the first and they've been you know, phenomenal and, the, and, the, and we're working with them to sort of adapt that to, uh, to the Adelaide market. Um, but we'll be on the second club to do that. And that'll let us sort of have a relationship with our fans, you know, seven days a week, not just the two hours of game day. So there's a range of, range of things we're doing uh, away from the court as well. But for this year, you know, I think we spent enough time focusing on and we've got an outstanding team led by Nick Barbado, and they're, and they're very, very good. But I think what we need to do now is just whatever it takes within reason, design a system for our on-court success and give that back to our fans who've been really loyal both to the club and to me personally uh, in some pretty lean years. And I get that, my family get it, and we're very committed to, to driving on-court success next season. Uh, investing in sport separately from the Sixers, obviously you've got an investment there. Is there anything other sports or things you'd look at? Because it sounds like you don't mind a bit of hard work and you don't mind getting up early <laughs> and um, you, you, you yeah. love turning businesses around, whether it's sport or anything else. Look, I was astonished, I've got to say, Warren, with that um, Live Golf. Um, and I was talking about somebody yesterday. I actually got invited on the Sunday that couldn't make it. Um, but literally everyone's been telling me, and I think you were there, right? And it, it, oh, it, was, it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and you look at it and you say, listen, where, where are we? Um, where do we have a mass-consumed sport, <coughs> golf is, which is under-marketed um, and perhaps almost too traditional a product for what a modern consumer wants? And, and Greg Norman, to his credit, you know, has delivered a format which I think is extraordinary. Um, I was down at our beach house, but I got a call from a mate in Victoria saying, oh, that it's gone out of control, GK. They're chucking beers onto the, you know, the the hole where the guy just got the hole in one. I thought, geez, that's pretty different from a typical golf <laughs> tournament. Um, but but it's finding those opportunities. You know, basketball seven years ago, ironically, was sort of the live golf of its era. Um, yeah, you know, second largest sport globally after soccer. Massive in Australia, a huge tradition in Australia, both men and women, um, with incredible international success. You know, we rank third in the world in basketball. We're 40th in the world. This is for the men uh, in, um, it, it, you know, in soccer. In, in, um, in women's basketball, we actually rank 
I have ranked one. We've actually won a World Cup in 2006. So, so like we, so this was a totally underleveraged business opportunity. Actually, it's when people say, "Gee, you've been so sort of um, uh, charitable." I'm like, actually, I reckon it's going to turn into a really good deal. But I, I think the next big thing outside of basketball that will break is golf, and I think we're seeing it. Uh, for our very eyes at the moment. Yeah, you mentioned um, women's sports in the US are going absolutely crazy. Are you going to see that, do you think, as a business trend and as, in your mind who's an owner of sport um, yeah. come into Australia? Because, you know, we're seeing AFLW go pretty well. We're seeing TV, getting on TV and ratings and we've got the Soccer World Cup coming up. But we've seen also seen some challenges for the poor uh, WNBL with, you know, finance and bits and pieces like that. Do you think we're going to see that really flow into Australia like it is in America at the moment? Absolutely. I think, um, I think uh, you know, the WNBL is a massive opportunity for the right, for, you know, for an investor that could be prepared to invest maybe as we had to do in the NBL, um, you know, for three to four years to get to the, to, you know, to, to, to a position where the sport was, was sustaining and, and was extremely um, well, uh, well attended and so on. I think uh, women's sport is going to be a massive opportunity. It's, it's, um, Canada, it's an extraordinary product. I mean, I mean, if you look at um, WNBL, you have an opportunity. Uh, I mean, if you looked at, if you went to a lightning game, which I did frequently last year, you know, Steph Talbot, uh, arguably the best or one of the very best players uh, in in the world. Uh, you know, it's playing for the Lightning. Um, incredible entertainment value, great night out. Um, look, I think it's a massive opportunity and I, it's certainly something that I, I think also ethically is uh, really important for society is to see you know, men and women basically achieve uh, in, in, in tandem um, their ambitions, their dreams and to have equal opportunity. So... It, it's a really good thing to do for society, but I think independently of that ethical, um, you know, uh, re- reason, um, there's a huge opportunity here, just commercially, and I think I think it'll it'll grow and leaps and bounds in the next several years. You might not have the answer to this question, but what's next for you? Holdfast assets, any sports? Plan to make any other investments in South Australia or Australian sport, or have you got too much on your plate right now? I'm actually, you know, it's funny because years ago, I sort of, because I love my footy as well, and obviously they play in um, in different seasons now with, with the NBL playing in the summer. Um, so I sort of thought I'd like to get involved with footy, but what I realised was that actually really giving the Sixers everything I had, um, and hopefully it'll be enough one day, but um, th- that was pretty much a, enough for me versus my other interests. So no, uh, look, I still love my footy. Um, as I think, you know, we have a, uh, you know, we are Crows, but we have a very strong fitting to Port Adelaide through my grandfather. So I, I love love going to both, see both teams play, actually. But I, um, which is rare for some South Australians, but I, I do. Um, but I, and I still remember Tread as your famous bow. Oh, gosh. Uh, you, which I mentioned to you the Thank other day. You. But, <laughs> but, but I, I, uh, I, I think it's, it's very hard to, you know, just in the media it's different. But I think in terms of administration or ownership, you know, I think you have to stay, um, pretty focused on the one sport. There's, there's probably not enough time to to, 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 to give the other one justice if you, if you were to look at it. Um, and then, the, and then on the business side, yeah, we're really um, cranking away um, on building out a, um, a funds management business here in here in South Australia. That was my background for you know 30 years, and um, I, I came home a couple of years ago, um, just before, just I should say, just after COVID started um have loved it and really want to make my future um life my family's life here in adelaide so uh doing that here would be um 
would be a, a real privilege. Um, and that's really where I'm focused. Uh, focusing most of my energies right now. Well, it sounds like a good plan to me. Thanks for joining us, uh, Grant. Really appreciate it. Good luck to the Sixers in chasing that championship. And I'm really liking what you're doing in free agency. So the whole idea of a role player and team is more important than any individual. Appreciate it. Now, thanks a lot for your time, Warren, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks, Grant. And thank you for tuning in. And remember to subscribe to The Big Deal on your favourite podcast player right now. And don't forget to join our community at www.thebigdeal.au. Thank you, mate. Appreciate that. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens, and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.